that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. Joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish. Um, busy weekend i mean heck i got like seven or eight things written down over here i, I don't know about you but that was a uh, a busy weekend and you were in fort worth yeah for uh for a big game which we'll talk about but how was your weekend it was good it was good like you mentioned i was in i saw the uh tcu iowa state game i'll be back in fort worth tonight we'll talk about uh why uh that one in particular but i'll also be thursday going to the super pit Yes. Yeah, UNT and SMU, a huge, huge game there uh, yep. in the AC in the AAC and the men on the men's side. So, uh, yeah, busy week for me. But uh, yeah, we can talk a little bit more about why I'll be in Shulmer tonight. Yeah, um, we can just jump right into it. I, yeah. I mean, I have, like I said, there's a lot of things to talk about. This is definitely the most uh, pressing matter, I guess, or at least the one that has I'd say my intriguing. Reason. Yeah, intriguing. There you go. It's the most intriguing one because I'm over here asking you questions before we even start, and you're like, uh, "Let's just let's just start a podcast." And, and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. So, I mean, for those of you that did not know, um, we talked about it a little bit. I think at the end of last episode, um, with Jaden Owens getting hurt for TCU, they legitimately, and then I believe it was one more. Um, uh, that was one more injury. Well, I cannot remember. Sedona Prince is out. Um, Sedona Prince was the one that was out indefinitely. Um, uh, and then Jade Nolan's Breon White, and then there's yeah. another one. Um, oh my goodness, I can't remember. But it was it was multiple season-ending injuries. Of course, Sedona Prince will see if she plays tonight. Hers was indefinitely. Um, yeah. Owens was a season-ending injury, and so any so anyway, TCU had no players. <laughs> they had didn't have enough players, and so they forfeited their last two games against Iowa State. And um, let me see if I can bring up the schedule real quick against Iowa State and Kansas State, uh, which honestly, Kansas State's been on a roll. So they probably they're, they're probably going to lose both those. Games. <laughs> they're going to lose both those games. Um, so anyway, uh, they forfeited both those games, and then they put out a, a a a tryout, a flyer for open tryout because they legitimately needed players. <laughs> And so yesterday, we're recording on Tuesday, this on Monday, they announced they have three new walk-ons. And they saw they had one over the weekend, uh, which was a volleyball player, a current TC volleyball player, Sarah Sylvester, who happened to play basketball in, in high school. Um, she's gonna do double duty and she's gonna represent uh, she's gonna play double sports for them and finish the season um with TCU basketball. And then they signed three walk-ons, Ella Hamlin from Grambling, uh, uh, Granbury, excuse me. Uh, Makaya Moore, who's a sophomore, and then I'm trying to get the last one. Those are the only two. Those are the Ella two from Texas. No, no I, I said Ella Hamlin. Oh, I'm um, Piper Davis. Ella Hamlin, Moore, and Piper Davis. One, yeah, what was it? Piper Davis from uh, Boise. Yes. So uh, Moore and Hamlin are from Texas, so they played basketball in Texas. They played for Granbury, like I mentioned, and then Moore was actually the 4A state champion MVP for Brownsboro when they won in 2022. Yeah. Um, so they're joining. 
so it's kind of an intriguing story. I have no idea how much these girls will play tonight. I have no idea who's healthy, who's not, right? We don't know. Um, they are playing UCF and you know it is a game. They've they're 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 back, right? So theoretically they have enough players to to floor yep. a team and all that. I don't know, man. These are these are girls that are going to be joining the team with less than maybe two days, maybe with the team, like in terms of practice at all, maybe just one. Um, because I'm assuming yesterday they just did all their media stuff, like you know, get the headshots, get the photo shots, yeah. and all the, the photos and all that. Um, so yeah, now we'll, we'll see. And here's the crazy thing, and I think I mentioned this TCU still 14 and four, <laughs> like this is a good team that's just been hampered by injury. And you know, for us, I think we mentioned this, we're not, I'm not going to judge Mark Campbell's year from here on out, right? Like, in terms of like if they go oh, and whatever, I don't. Yeah. Because Sonoda Prince is out, J- their only point guards out, yeah. it's and they're having to add walk-ons, right? Like I'm not gonna judge him. They were they showed enough to me for this year to be considered a success to some extent. Um, but I'm just very fast. I'm just interested to see what they look like tonight. Yeah, um, Sedona Prince's status is is the one thing here that you're like, okay, if they can get her back somehow, um, that does change things. Like even if you have no depth at all, mm-hmm. it's like. We can at least have Sedona Prince uh, and and Madison Connor. Uh, Mark Campbell did do a press conference today. I have not watched it, or at least it was released today on mm. TCU's site. I'm looking at it now, but um, yeah, they added a couple. They added some players that have high school experience playing uh, basketball, and like you said, a couple state champions, uh, state MVP. I mean, I'm legitimately curious about somebody like Makaya. We were talking about this a little bit, Makaya Moore. So. She's the type of player who, like I mentioned, Foray is a good level for girls basketball. Right, yeah. Riley McKinney from Texas yeah. Tech. She came from Argyle. Was Foray? Um, I think Sedona Prince. I think I think Liberty Hill was Foray when they when she played for them. Um, so that's a good level. And so to win a state MVP at that level, I you know I'm legitimately curious if she had the opportunity to go elsewhere like D two, D three, um, to play, which wouldn't be a shock at all. And if she just said, you know what, I'm just gonna go to school and went to TCU and especially with a team like TCU who doesn't have any backcourt depth at all. Like if she gets all again, there's no guarantee that these girls get on the floor tonight. Right. They could have like six players healthy and those six players just play a ton. Um, But I don't know. Like that's, that's one of those names where I'm like, okay, like that's, that's an interesting one. Right. Yeah. Um, I think you laid that out. Well, We'll see how it goes tonight. Uh, yeah. Like you said, I don't have expectations. You know, I, I I'm taking wherever the wind takes me. That's where exactly. I'm going with this TCU team. Um, but like, fourteen and four, um, and that's without the two forfeitures. So fourteen and four, and really they just lost their last four games. And you know, once Prince went down, it was just kind of downhill from there. So yeah, um, yeah, we'll see how they close out the year. I don't have anything else on them specifically, but it is the most interesting story for sure. Yeah. And um, by the way, if you hear any construction, there's some stuff going on below our office, some construction. So if you you're, sure bang, not, you're sure it's yeah. not behind you with the the, the tilted. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Right. It's whatever like, that is. Backdrop. You got it's a there. backdrop that, that won't raise above my uh, or it's angled for a camera. That's not this one that I'm using right now. <laughs> uh, OK. All right. You should have just tilted your camera and then yeah. you would have been straight. Um, let's talk the other TCU team. TCU men's basketball because you were there. In attendance, and I was at home watching it, and I was ready to turn it off. Well, I did turn it off after. Browser, I turned off, and I was there. (laughs) 
after the first however many minutes when they just kept throwing the ball all over the gym. And then I saw they came back and I turned it back on. But you yeah. were there the whole time. Uh, come one point short of the comeback and against Iowa State, 73-72. And it was a game everybody, at least from what I read and heard and everything, TCU, this is a game that, especially at home, as we've talked about in the Big 12, you can't lose mm-hmm. your home games. To lose your home game to Iowa State, that's what hurts. And it's just the start that they had didn't give them a chance. Yeah, basically. I mean, this is, you know, Jamie Dixon. I was talking to Jamie Dixon and Jamie Plunkett, who does Frogs Insider for us on the uh, on the Republican Football Network. He, Pl- Jamie Plunkett was like, I I don't know. Like, because it was it was that start. The entire game was that start. And Jamie Dixon, when he came in, he looked about as baffled as I've seen a head coach look. Because, yes, Iowa State's ball pressure, to some extent, you know, rattled him a little bit, which was frustrating on his part. And he mentioned that. He was like, yeah, you know, I mentioned the ball pressure, and it was something that still caught us off guard, blah, blah, blah. Then you just saw, like, the inexplicable turnovers, right? It was the... Like Avery Anderson, just like dribbling the ball, like just losing the ball, right? Um, as we know, Jameer Nelson Jr. comes off the bench. He he maybe touched the bench for 30 seconds. Jamie Dixon pulled like at like 1942 on the clock. He like looked at Jameer Nelson was like getting the game. Yeah. And then he didn't play well either. He also turned the ball over. So like mm-hmm. it was all, I mean, they finished with 18 first half turnovers. And again, part of it, part of it, part of it was Iowa State's good ball pressure. But like I'd say about eight to ten were like just like one guy going one way, one guy thinking he's gonna be there and throwing the ball out of bounds, right? Uh one guy thinking there's gonna be a dribble handoff, but one guy not coming for the handoff, so Iowa State just steals it. And one guy trying to lead the ball, lead the ball up the um up yep. the uh, start a fast break and then just n- not getting there in Iowa State getting it and getting like a 2v1 and score and it was just like what is happening and then defensively they were all over the place they could they weren't really communicative um and so yeah that first half i mean look second half was i th- i'd say what made the first half more frustrating was the second half they were great i thought they really really swung the momentum the defense locked down they looked like they were getting their shots the shot selection probably for the whole game wasn't bad but they just weren't hitting a lot um but yeah, it was like that first half was one of the worst halves I think I've seen. Legitimately, I think I've seen in person a team play. And yes. Jamie Dixon kind of echoed that. I I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like you said, it felt like I was watching a middle school game <laughs> with really the mistakes that they were making. And Iowa State, like you said, good defense. But yeah. overall on the season, um, they're 74th in – oh, no, I'm sorry – they are uh, where I think where did them go? Damn, dude, they're up to never mind. They jumped up to first in the conference after that game and turnover go. percentage. <laughs> I'll tell you this: uh, I didn't see this number until now. Thirty-six points off turnovers for Iowa State. Oh my god, it was bad. Uh, TC uh, with twenty-seven turnovers. Honest, honestly, like because the other game we watched Iowa State and was against Houston, and they obviously yeah. forced a lot of turnovers against Houston. Mm-hmm. BYU um, only had eleven turnovers against them like it's not like i iowa state to me is perfect for houston and tcu in a sense that a lot of their stuff and they're they're very different offensively but a lot of their stuff comes from like 
you have to be able to break a defense down to a certain yeah. extent with the one-on-one dribbles. And that's kind of fundamentally how basketball works. But mm-hmm. Iowa State kind of just takes you out of that, takes you out of that rhythm, that flow. But there's still no excuse for what I watched in the first half, what you watched in the first half, where they were just fumbling the ball around at home. And the bigger problem, just in the big picture, is, like I said, you can't lose your home games. But now this team is 3-on-3 three three in conference, and the losses – have been, you know, the game they got screwed over um, against Kansas, um, mm. the overtime loss to Cincinnati, and now this. Yeah, it looked like they were turning the corner. Like they beat Houston. Now it's back to back losses. Yeah. So they're two and three in conference now. Sorry. But um, these are like, these are the, you have to win these games. And I think we saw it like last year, uh, early in conference, where um, it was, I mean, Texas Tech obviously kept losing close games and then mm-hmm. closed the year strong. But like, these early conference games, you just can't lose the home ones. And so I can put up with the Kansas loss and the Cincinnati loss, but then you lose to Iowa State at home. That's the backbreaker to me. So now you have to go beat Oklahoma State on the road tonight. Yeah. Um, now that Baylor game on the road has more significance um, on Saturday. And I think the the other thing that was really frustrating was, and we can kind of talk about this, the re- how the rest of the Big 12 went that day. You know, Texas pulling an upset on Baylor. Um, Houston kind of lost. Kansas lost as well. Houston kind of pulling a little bit of flex themselves, like, you know, really um, holding UCF to what was a record low Big 12 (laughs) score, which was insane. Um, But like TCU had, as we were going to talk about this all the time, Big 12 is the best conference in the country. There's no, literally no days off, except for maybe when you play Oklahoma State. Um, (laughs) uh, But like, Every win loss puts you in the top half or the bottom half. And TCU had a chance to put themselves firmly in like the top six, right? And those that like the top six are separated by like maybe half a game. And now they're in the bottom, what was it? They're in the bottom half. They're in one, yep. two, three, four, five. They're six from the bottom. Yep. And so again, it's the Big 12. It can turn around with a good week, right? They can end up back, but like they had a real good chance to give themselves some really good uh 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 what's the word? cushion. Yeah. Um, as they head into another tough part of their schedule, because of course they had Oklahoma State coming up, should be a win. But then Baylor, Texas Tech, and Texas, and then Iowa State again, right? Of the top four, yeah. like that's that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, the goal for every team right now, like literally every team besides Oklahoma State, is how can we win the conference, or how can we top be top three or four in the conference? Because Kansas does not look unbeatable right now, and I know at the top right now it's Texas Tech and Kansas State at four and one apiece. Mm-hmm. Those are arguably like like two of the least talented teams in in the entire conference, and they're four and one. So you have to be looking at this like, all right, Houston's lost two, Kansas lost two, it's wide open. And for TCU, a team that I think we both think had the potential of a top three team in this conference, like you just can't lose this game. You can't lose it, yeah. especially just coming out the way that they came out. I think. Lastly, on this, you know, I think that. Aside from Houston, who I think is a legitimately talented team. Yes. You look at the talent at Kansas State and Texas Tech. Obviously, we talked about they're not the most talented teams on paper, but they're the, they're just the most consistent, right? Like the three best teams in the Big 12 right now are Kansas State, look look like at least Kansas State, Texas Tech, and Houston. Of course, yes. Houston is on paper talented, but all three of them are just consistent, right? They just have an identity. They just played it at every single game and Again, sure, they may not finish the top three at the end of the year, right? Kansas may work its way back in there, and, and and Oklahoma may, who knows, right? Baylor, who cares? But regardless, right now, the thing that separated those 
there's this consistency. Like they play the same way. They have an identity and they lose that, you know, can't uh, Houston lost that game because they played the same way and they couldn't, you know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, TC was able to overcome that. But like, I don't know, man, it, that that's kind of been the MO right now is like, regardless of talent, it's just like playing consistently. Yeah. All right. Where do you want to take us here? Do you have one in mind? Uh, I mean, we can go, we talked about the big 12, so we can talk about that Baylor Texas game. <laughs> um, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that was a crazy finish, but I mean, not to be, you know, um, I don't know. Did Rodney Terry save his save the season? Like I'm not gonna say save his job because no. we've already we've already made this decision that they're no. we, they're not firing him after this year, right? Barring like going winless from here on out, they're just not. But no. do you think they save the season? No. Um, I think this was a desperation win, which is fine, which is good. Um at Oklahoma at BYU the next two games. Like we, we talked about this this upcoming schedule before. Yeah. Um these two games, you got to get. By the way, we should them. mention like, 75, 75, 73, um, and then a Tyrese Hunter runner, kind of hanging runner at the buzzer. Yeah, so. yeah, um, impressive shot. I, a game. I'm watching. Like, okay, to recap the game real quick, they shot nine of eleven from three in the first half, and no, I, it felt, <laughs> I, I, I was like, okay, sure, whatever's happening, I guess I can live with because Baylor was also shooting the ball pretty well. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day. Texas cools off in the second half completely. I don't even remember what they ended. Uh, they ended the game nine of nineteen, so they went zero of eight from three in the second half. I and... yeah. So I tweeted. I tweeted. Sorry, sorry. I had to say. No, go ahead, I, so go ahead. I saw that they were shooting hot from three, and then I saw that Tyrese Hunter, in particular, was like four of four. And I tweeted. I was like, "That's not staying. <laughs> like that is not staying the same." And then sure enough, I'm pretty sure he hit he hit the backboard three times. Yeah. On his th- like, he shot I think three or four threes, and he hit the rim only one less time than he had makes in the first half. <laughs> was, I was like, that is not happening in the second half. So anyway, sorry, I didn't remember. I forgot about the hot shooting start, and I was like, that's not sustaining. And sure enough, nope. it didn't. Nope. Um, I thought Baylor was again just watching the game, knowing that they were on the road. Maybe I factored too much into it. I just thought Baylor is the better team. If they play that game on a neutral site, I think Baylor sure. wins that. Game seven times out of ten, eight times out of ten. I just think Baylor is the more polished team. I think Eves while he wasn't great, 21 minutes, I just think I feel him. I feel his impact in a way that I think I talk about a lot of times whenever I talk about um, bigs and, and forwards. Can you feel their presence? Eves Massey just, to me, is – He's he's really really good. He's, he's been a, he's been a revelation for them this year. Coming in, coming in, and being ready to play right away. Yeah, he he could be a first round pick. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It just makes him makes them really really good. Um, Jacoby Walters twenty two points, nine of eleven at the free throw line. You know, Jalen Bridges hit some clutch clutch threes, including the one to tie the game before the yeah. Tyrese Hunter shot. Um, Baylor is is really good. I think that was my biggest takeaway from this game, more so than anything Texas did, because Texas is going to be Texas. They're going to end conference play seven and eleven or something like that, and we're going to be here like, oh, should they make the tournament? I don't know, mm-hmm. but ultimately, um, yeah, I left that game more impressed with Baylor than than Texas. Do you think um, some people thought that Scott Drew was trying uh, should have called timeout? Are you one of those people after after the Jalen Bridges make? Oh yeah, actually I did. I texted my friend uh, to. to I, I was curious about that, but a lot of times you don't see. I think he was on the opposite side, right? Mm-hmm. No, right? 
I don't remember exactly, but uh, there was something that went through my head that said I could understand it. But I did actually think about that like right afterwards. I was like, "Huh, that's kind of interesting." You don't call timeout to set up your defense, right? Uh, initially, yeah, but yeah, because it was. I mean, credit to him, right? He didn't have a good second half, but like Tyrese Hunter just literally just put his head down and just like got to the rim, and it was a tough shot. Like it was a hanging yeah. double clutch kind of off the yeah. backboard. So I don't remember who it was. I it was either Josh Ojemuna or East Missy. Uh, one of them, I was like, "Where, where's the big? Where's the post?" Um, yeah, he, I think he, they he were following. Up. Yeah, they were following. Um, it wasn't. Sh- I think it was Desu at the time. Yeah, uh, they were following him up, up like way above three point line, and like so he was out of position. So yeah, yeah in theory, you can yeah. call time out there. Yeah. Um, one thing on Texas, I will say, who was the player that I've kept saying needs to get more playing time? It's Kendall Kendall Weaver. Yeah, and Kendall Weaver, he did he again. He did not have a good scoring game, but he finished the game defensively and he played, I believe, 20. I forgot. He had a season high in minutes. Uh, let me double check this. He finished with 19 minutes, yeah. which is, uh, sorry, third highest in the, on the season. Only two points, but his defense and his rebounding, he, he had that second tap out also yes. that really, really saved the game for Texas. Yep. Uh, it was a fantastic scramble. But the reason why, again, I think his scoring can get there. He's still a very raw player. Um, UTA, he was kind of UTA's only option last year. But the reason why I think he should be playing is because you look at him and you look at Brock Cunningham, right? Very similar. When you look at their roles for this Texas team right now, very similar, right? They're not really, they're not there for their offense yet, as in Kendall Weaver's case, but they're there for their hustle. And you look at the stat line, it's not going to show really what they do. Kendall Weaver gives you more of an upside on offense. And the guard depth's not there for Texas. And also, I think you need somebody there who is able to give you something on offense. Brock Cunningham just doesn't, and he can't yeah. at this point in his career. Kendall Weaver is still a true sophomore. He's good. He's stepping up to this level for the first time in his career. I think that he gives you a little bit of what Brock Cunningham does, maybe not with the versatility to guard bigs, but on the perimeter. And he can also hit a shot and get a dunk and do something on offense that Brock Cunningham can't. So I think he should still be playing. I think he should be getting 15 minutes from here on out. Cause I do think they need that type of player. Brock Cunningham ends the game. Um, 10 minutes, Caden Shedrick, 16 minutes. That was my biggest takeaway for Texas. I don't, I don't need them. I was about to say, we don't, they, they shouldn't be playing that much. I don't need them. I don't need them. Um, last thing on the big 12, um, uh, Women's basketball for Baylor loses the Kansas State. Yeah, you, you called this one, didn't you? Did I call this game? I feel like you called. I mean, I think I think before uh, Koya Lee was out, but you did call this game, like, I think early in the year saying, like, I don't know how they guard Kansas State. Yeah. Now, granted, again, Koya Lee did was out. But, um, so that's what makes this painful, right, is yeah. a Koya Lee doesn't play. And is it a Koya Lee or a Yoka Lee? A Yoka, Jesus, you're right. Jesus. I, <laughs> It's my dyslexia right there. Um, <laughs> uh, Oyoka Lee. Thank you. She's been here for like five, six years. We should probably know her name by now. Oh, um, I, I know it. I know it. <laughs> fair. Me. Yes, that, that's a that's a very uh, unfair use of the word we there. Um, <laughs> I should probably know her name by now. She's been destroying this conference for like seven years. Uh, yes. So, yes, yeah, she didn't play, uh, but Kansas State still looks fantastic. This is – it was alarming. I watched this game this morning. It was alarming because even without her, and this did not just come down to one player, but the player of the game for Kansas State um, was Alitza Mopkin, who uh, 
is six foot three, mm-hmm. center. They're only big. And she ended the game 29 minutes, six to six from the field, 16 points, nine rebounds. Yeah. Um, just I, I she had a couple blocks. I don't see the blocks in the in this box score right here, but oh, here it is. I can extend it. One block. Um, but again, it goes back to she wasn't even like dominating the way that Ayoka Lee would would have dominated, mm-hmm. but it's just like she's just bigger. So it's like at the end of the day, women's basketball to me, and maybe it's because I'm I'm following I'm following a Kim Mulkey team right now. But like at the end of the day, you need a big that can kind of just make the easy buckets for you to where you don't need as much as I like Dre Edwards, as much as I like Asia Blackwell. Like they're they're not getting many easy buckets for you. You're not even the post ups that they do score. It's not the most efficient shot as uh, as opposed to as we know. I'm not even gonna say Nalissa Smith, but like Queen Egbo out there, you know, or just a, any six five player. Um, it just changes the game. So that was a little disheartening because it feels like every single game that Baylor plays, the opposing big has their career game has their season high and mm-hmm. that's it's a concern it's a concern now i think perhaps the even bigger issue was offensively ending in the game with only 55 points against the kansas state team that i didn't think just looking at them and watching the game i didn't think they were super athletic they sat in a zone i thought baylor moved the ball pretty well against the zone but mm-hmm. wasn't able to shoot the ball well four of 19 from three so again everything we've known about baylor women's uh, basketball had was that nothing changed here we know they have to hit threes we know they have to fight really hard on the glass and we know the opposing big is going to score a lot of points it's just it was disheartening because i thought they would win this game at home with kansas state down their best player yeah i thought so too i think that you mentioned it they have to hit from the outside and they have no plan b uh defensively asia blackwell is their best post defender um in addition to Dariana Little, Page Bugs, probably, but like again, they're not traditional bigs. Um, Dreana Edwards is, is, but she's a stretch, and so she doesn't really, she's not in the post a lot. Um, and so, yeah, and so, yeah, it's just a weakness of this team and something they just have to, you know, they just have to, to get through and weather through. Um, I think that that's the next challenge for Nikki Collins. They're not going to get taller, and so it's like, okay, well, how do you? overcome that right how do you get through these teams these games against bigs do you just hope that you shoot better right maybe i don't know but it you know the the game came down to a a jada walker three and it was a game where they weren't hitting threes and so of course she wasn't hitting that one (laughs) and it was it was also like a weird i don't know so the last there were like seven seconds left okay so yeah so what happened was and the broadcast was confused about this too okay um but i think they i saw a tweet that clarified it afterwards. Kansas State had fouls to give, so they were taking. They took a foul, and okay. Then so Baylor, they, so Baylor thought. So she thought she was going to get fouled. So she, she just thought she was going to get okay. fouled. Okay. Exactly. The broadcast thought that she didn't know how much time it was, but afterwards, um, uh, Colin, Nikki Collin was like, okay. like we said, if she felt contact, you know, shoot the ball. Right. And I guess she thought she was going to feel the contact. Was, so. It was a, like it was closely defended. Like it, probably, yeah. it was set up to where you look like they were going to foul. So okay. that's again, obviously people look at that, but it's like at that point, that is not what lost in the game. They were up sure, three sure, points sure. and they give up a six zero run at no point watching that game. And obviously I already knew the outcome, but like watching that game up till about the three minute mark, I was like, Baylor's winning this game. 
Baylor's winning this game. Baylor's generating good shots. I think um, they're they're working the ball well. I think defensively, they're not you know they're not stopping them from getting to the rim, or they're not mm-hmm. stopping them from getting open threes, but they're at least being uh, a little bit of a pest. So, yeah. I I don't know. It's uh, both teams ended with twenty turnovers. It was not a clean game at all, but it's just a game that if you're Baylor, you can't lose. And now, real quick, just looking at the Big Twelve as a whole on the women's side. Neither one of our Texas teams are in the top three ish, or I mean, really anybody. Texas Tech included, so three. Yeah, but um, um or TCU sudden, as well now. So four. Like, Any none of our teams are in the top three. It's Oklahoma, <laughs> Kansas State, and um, who am I missing? Iowa State. Iowa State. Yeah. That's the top Again, three. like I, that's that's crazy. I'm still baffled. I'm not baffled, but like I'm still. Sh- I know I I said at the beginning of the year that Iowa State was going to catch teams off guard. I didn't think they would just be flat out good. They just look flat out good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's scary because they're like, it's a bunch of babies basically on that team. Yeah, and, um, and, and Texas is four and two to their, you know, not to write them off, but yeah, I'm sure, sure, exactly. By the way, yes, I do want to give. Uh, I texted you this. Madison Booker is on an All American run right now. Like she is. We were like, who's Texas point guard? Answer. It's Madison Booker. Like there's, she's just running. She's like eighth, I think, in usage right now in the conference. Which again, a true freshman in one of the toughest conferences, just taking yeah. the ball right as like a stretch forward, just saying, "Screw this, I'm the point guard now." Um, it's working, and it's kind of scary. Like all of a sudden, like Texas has like a star where I, again, she was, she was good the whole year and I expect her to be a big contributor, but like, this is the type of player who like you kind of look for when you look at like elite eight teams, right? When you're like, who's the player that's like, can take things to a next, to another level um, in the tournament and kind of have their, their, their moment. Right. Um, she's kind of that mold. And the fact that she's kind of taken this next step, let me see. I have her, I texted you her conference stats since yeah. uh, Rory went down. Let me see if I have it right here. Uh, her per 40 right now, 21 points a game and seven, uh, seven and a half rebounds, six assists, right? That's her per 40, uh, still turning the ball over quite a bit, but that, that, I don't care. Like they need somebody to make plays. (laughs) Um, but yes, on the season right now, 14, 14, five and four, right? Almost five assists a game. She's insane. She's been stellar. And I think she had against Oklahoma state, 19 points, five rebounds, five assists, six rebounds, five steals. Like, She's doing everything for this team, and yeah, they haven't dropped every off. game for her. Every game for her feels the same at this point, which is a good thing. Yeah, um, you know, she'll be cl- around forty-five percent or so from the field. She get her free throws, get her rebounds, get her assists. She'll have five, six turnovers, which, like you said, is is, is what it is at this point. Yeah, um, and she'll have some steals. So she's playing really well. She continues this. Texas will be in contention for you know atop the the Big Twelve, but. She doesn't. She doesn't rest. By the way, she she played the whole game. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to look at her her conference minutes. Thirty six minutes a game. Thirty six thirty six point eight minutes a game in the Big Twelve, yeah. which is dumb. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I'm gonna jump to something I watched last night. Okay. I don't. Did you see the? I don't know if you saw the end. Anum Corpus Christi loses to McNeese on the. Men's I saw side. that. I didn't see the ending, but I saw that they lost. They were up most of that game, weren't they? Oh, if you saw the end here, let me explain it to you real quick. Okay, I'll okay. Send it to you on Twitter at some point. Um, uh, hold on, let me write this down. Nice. There was, first of all, Anne of Corpus Christi, I thought played tremendous defense. 
We should uh, mention these they, are the two top teams in the Southland right now. Yes, yes. Heading into two time champs in, in uh, uh, Corpus Christi against, obviously, McNeese, Will Wade, and the up-and-comers. Uh, Shahada Wells. Shahada, Shahada Wells. Uh, really good team. DJ Richards from UTSA last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good team. So what happens is uh, Corpus Christi's up 31-30 at halftime. McNeese doesn't score for the first eight minutes of the second half. Corpus Christi um, is in control. They're up by as much as much as 18 in the last 10 minutes of the game. McNeese comes all the way back. Looks like McNeese is going to win. And, of course, Christie goes up two with – how much time was it? It was about eight seconds. And um, one of the players on on uh, Anim Corpus Christi's team thinks that they're up three. So they foul. Mm. And McNeese goes to the line, makes the – no, misses the first – Oh, no, makes the first, misses the second, which would have tied the game. McNeese goes, gets the rebound, misses the putback, gets the rebound, and makes the putback at the buzzer to win oh the game. So um, it's a game that will probably determine that, – that right there will determine most likely the winner of the Southland. It puts McNeese up over, um, over Corpus Christi. Let me see where uh, – let me check the Southland standings again. Yeah, so McNeese is six and zero now. Corpus Christi four and two. Lamar four and two. Um, wow. So they're up two games on him now. But yeah, crazy, crazy game. It sucks because I think Corpus Christi is a really good defense, 135th in the country defensively, and I thought they they showed that. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting. First of all, credit to to Jim Shaw at, there at uh, McNeese. Um, he had a tough job taking over for for Lutz. Um, who basically oh, he left, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, who left Corpus Christi and he went to Western Kentucky and basically the whole roster like just left. <laughs> and so he had to do like a quick rebuild. Uh, Jim Shaw, it makes sense his style. He coached under, um, uh, he was an assistant at Texas State when I was a beat writer, uh, under Danny Casper. Um, and so Danny Casper is all about the hard hedging defense, very aggressive, very intense yeah. ball pressure, um, and also kind of unwatchable offense um and so it, it makes all the sense in the world uh that that's kind of their mo um but you I mean credit to him right they, he had a lot to rebuild and he's done that pretty quickly uh will wade like you mentioned has done a, a pretty fun job so far with mcneese getting in some good talent like shot wells um so yeah we'll see how the south and turns out you know it's, it looks like a fun two-man a two-team race right now um with mcneese kind of taking the the more of the inside track now but still, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how this turns out because we Corpus was kind of those that team that we were like really curious about. We we're like, is it all yeah. Steve Lutz, right? And then yeah. they lost those the three best players, um, Murdoch, Tennyson, and Mushila. and um, Jalen Jackson, and Jalen. Geez, yeah, they did lose Jalen Jackson. Um, by the way, I think Mashila, I think I think he's at Western Kentucky. He was doing something pretty well. Um, let me see. So one of them followed. Uh, Steve Lutz and then of course yeah. Tennyson went to TCU yeah. um, but regardless uh, still good job by Jim Shaw is the point I'm trying to make because that was not an easy easy job <laughs> no. Um, alright last thing for you is um, who you got SMU or North Texas let's, let's, let's preview it let's talk about it North Texas let's versus SMU Thursday night in the super pit to um I mean, a battle between two top, two of the top teams in the conference. And now that Memphis has fallen off the map, 
and FAU is falling Bruh. over itself, barely going to overtime with UTSA. I was about to say, I was going to mention UTSA real quick. Uh, I think Lisa Campos should just be signing coaches to one-year deals because <laughs> UTSA looks the best that it has in like four years. Um, yeah, so shout out to UTSA. I wasn't going to bring them up because I, I have nothing to say. Like they lost by 30 to Tulsa and then push FAU to overtime. So good for them. But anyways, the point is the top yeah. of the American is wide open right now. Yes. yes and sorry. North Texas and SMU are two of the best teams in the conference. And I think the winner of this is in position to fight for the conference title. Um, what are your thoughts? My gut right now leans SMU. Um, because I feel like, and you can answer this probably more, more in depth. Um, cause I know you and Colin have talked a lot about this season so far. I think SMU's shown a little bit more consistency, um, in terms of, I think both sides of the ball offense is what it is, but I think offense is kind of a little rounding the corner a little bit, like in terms of like yeah. what mm-hmm. it is. Um, I don't think this is going to be a good def- offensive team ever like in terms of like the nation the country is concerned under rob lanier but their defense i think has like hit a level that's like a problem for like i would say honestly most would give most teams that aren't in the top 15 in the country i'm genuine i genuinely believe that um and so i think for me i've seen more from that defense on smu side that gives me more uh comfort I think what are the Jesus? I didn't even realize they were second in uh, effective field goal percentage defense yeah. in the country. Um, so yeah, I think SMU right now uh, that that Memphis loss is what it is. Um, but yeah, so I would go. I would go. I feel more comfortable right now with SMU. That being said, Ken Palm has North Texas favored by one. There's a lot of factors here. First yeah. of all, this is SMU is second in effective field goal percentage defense. North Texas is sixth. Yep. Um, obviously both teams, uh, North Texas defensively, uh, in uh, average possession length is 338, uh, SMU is like almost last. So this is going to be a first of 50 wins this game. Yes. Final score is going to be like 49 to 47. I have no clue who's winning. The, the difference is, and while you're right, SMU has been more consistent, North Texas without Ruben Jones and John Bugs. Mm-hmm hasn't been able to build that consistency. I mean, they, they haven't had them for the entire conference season and they're four right. and one right now. Um, how are they four and one? Honestly, the Tulane win is incredibly impressive. The Wichita state wins incredibly impressive. Like I'm beating even, in the super Bowl, man. <laughs> yeah. Even East Carolina on the road. I don't know. Did you see that game winner? Yes. Where yes, Aaron Scott chucks it and, yeah. and uh, Robert Allen finishes it. Like you find ways to win, right? That's what North Texas right. has done traditionally. So, I think Ruben and Bugs are going to be probable for this game. I think um, they're they're going to give it a go. So how much does that help? How much you know can they take the pressure off Jason Edwards, who's been an awesome scorer for them? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and it might be throwing too much at the wall, like adding Ruben and John Bugs back just for you know for this big game here. I don't know how much of a difference it makes, but. That with the fact that they're at home, I do think changes the complexion of the game just a little bit to where I look at it as a pick 'em uh, going in here. Yeah, I think what I think the heck that means, man. I mean, it's going to come down to the last shot, it's going to come down to the last minute. Uh, if nothing else, just because it's so, such a low scoring game, neither team's going to be able to pull away. 
yeah, I think yeah. this comes down to how healthy is Ruben Jones and can he give you good minutes? If Ruben Jones is healthy and can play, I think then North Texas can win this game. If not, uh, I don't think they have the the firepower or the depth to win. I think where UNT will win this game, I think, is on the offensive glass. Um, there, I think they can out rebound SMU on that end. Um, that's kind of been the one weakness yeah. I'd say is is for SMU has been their allowing offensive rebounds. Um, I believe they're. Let me see. Let me double check on that. Uh, yeah, they're ninth right now in the conference in uh, offensive rebounding percentage, and then they're two eighty fifth in the country um, yeah, defensively. So. So again, and and in conference, UNT has kind of really turned a corner. I think the best offensive rebounding team in the conference right now. So that's where they're going to have to get, earn this. Because I mean, again, like you mentioned, neither neither of these teams are going to have good shooting nights, right? It's going to be. I would not be shocked if we finish with sub forty percent on both ends. <laughs> um, so again, it's going to come down to like those extra things, and yeah, it's going to be more about if UNT's start whatever whatever lineup they roll out whatever players they have available it's about those guys out playing i think the starters cuz like you mentioned the bench players the depth's not there right now for UNT yeah Regardless, um, i'm very excited for this one cuz this is i mean in my opinion this is one of the more hyped as i can remember this is one of the more hyped games at UNT in a while like aside from, like aside from like you know the the NIT tournament that they hosted but um as yeah. far as like in conference, like maybe when they hosted UAB, because that little rivalry they had going mm. there. But yeah, last year's games against UAB were fun. The, the North Texas fans, and I want to repeat this because I think I've said it on the podcast. I don't know when the last time I've said this is. North Texas fans are so spoiled right now, and it's a great thing. Like this yeah. is just the amount of good games that if you just go over the last five years, like. Oh man, that was a great moment. That was a great moment. That was a great moment. It's just like you run down it. Last year alone, last year alone is worth like just five years of yeah. of enjoyment. That yeah, I was there for the uh, the La Tech when I think it was Hunt, Kai Huntsbury who hit the game winner in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. like the rain. It was like Kai Huntsbury hits a game winner. <laughs> it was again, like one of the- yeah, again, you're just you could name multiple moments where you're like, oh, that was fun. That was cool. That was like yeah. the moments stack up, and that's that's really what this is about. So. We'll see if there's another great moment for North Texas. I mean, when's the last time North Texas SMU played? It's been like 20 years, something like that. Something like that, yeah. These teams do not like playing each other. No matter. So I was about to say because SMU, because like for a while there, SMU was like, we're trying to make the tournament, and it's like we can't, we can't schedule this team. <laughs> they might, yeah. they're they're a little too good to, <laughs> to pull it up. These teams never want to play each other yeah. for whatever reason. Um, but here we are. They're four. Yeah. This is for the, this is for how it needs the, to for be. the one year until SMU until SMU leaves. This yeah, is it. This is how it needs to be right here. So yeah. um I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh I got two other quick notes here. Do you have anything else? Uh nope, that's it for me. All right. Um well we already talked about, but Texas Tech, that's a big, big win from Grant McCaslin over <sighs> BYU. Man. Um to get coach, that man. when they were down. I don't even remember how much they were down. Um but the comeback win there at home, like I said, home wins are important, and they are three and one at home right now in conference. So they're four and one overall, uh, with their only loss to Houston on the road. That mm-hmm. will do just fine. So now they got Oklahoma and TCU coming up both on the road here on Saturday um, and Tuesday, so of, of next week. But yeah, great start for Graham McCaslin and uh, Texas Tech. That's nuts. Uh, right now they're projected eleven and seven right now to finish, which would be nuts. 
like as a as a in a first year power five head coach that'd be insane 11 and 7 which would i mean right now projected would finish second or third uh they still have houston winning the conference but still that's i mean literally that's a five or six seed in the tournament right yeah like and then by the way no players in the top five all ken palm team projected right now right it's Let me see the top five players, Jamal Shedd, Kevin McCuller, Hunter Dickinson, Tamman Limsey, and LJ Cryer. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just, that's just coaching, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joe Lenardi currently has Texas Tech as an eight seed right now, which still isn't bad. Um, yeah. He has BYU as a five right now. But uh, yeah. um, if we can get, te- if Texas Tech makes it to the second round, <sighs> he's winning my coach of the year. Award I was about to say, man, that is. Move over, uh, Steve Henson. I'm, I'm trying Sorry. to that'd, that'd be that'd be tough to argue against. Him, yeah. Rob Lanier. I'd say That's him good. right now because it's more of an inside track for him to get in the tournament than Rob Lanier. Like Lanier, yeah. I think Lanier has to win the conference, you know. Um, but for coach of the year's sake, you think that's the determiner? Determiner? I think so. I think so. Okay. Um I think that'd be the tiebreaker for me. I think Lanier is impressive, but I think like yeah. if Tech makes the tournament and then wins, gets past the first weekend, easily. Like yeah. I think that's easily. And since uh, Jamie Dixon's team forgot how to play basketball, we I was about to say, look, I, I would all be for Jamie Dixon, but listen, I had a story I wanted to write, uh, and they've lost two straight since. So nah. <laughs> I'm having to hold that story. Damn it. Wait till the next home games. Hopefully, maybe try and win, win the home games. Uh, and the last thing. I know, I know, I know. We yeah. don't care about Texas Southern until tournament play starts. I know. But um, they were on ESPNU last night after the McNeese and Am Corpus Christi game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, Texas Southern at some point has to start winning some of these games, maybe. Yeah. And they exactly. lose to Jackson State 73-64. to 64. Um, I... I don't know what to do with my hands. That's that. Yeah. That's the that's the thing right now. It's just, I like I I went back and just to do my homework a little bit. I went back and looked at previous box scores to make sure because obviously I don't watch every Texas Southern game, but mm-hmm. the results kind of speak for themselves every single year in which we know what we're getting. And right. it's like, all right, Grayson Carter will have occasionally double double nights, but then he has twenty one minutes against Jackson State and he has two points and zero rebounds. Yeah, all that, right? he's been frustrating since Geyer. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Cisse comes over from Incarnate Word, it's 18 points per game, whatever it was. Yeah. Another inconsistent. He ends the game with four points on one of seven shooting in 21 minutes. PJ mm-hmm. Henry has been pretty damn consistent. He's been pretty good. We've expected that. But going into the year, this is the unanimous, or I don't remember, at least consensus pick mm-hmm. to win the conference. PJ Henry, the consensus pick for the player of the year. They have the talent. Yeah. And they are literally fumbling away they're falling to the middle of the pack in the conference right next to prairie view and we didn't mm-hmm. expect anything from prairie view this year so now it's all right texas southern i guess we're just gonna wait till the tournament but remember only the top eight teams make the tournament in oh, the that's they gotta make it first and they they barely made it last year right yeah well that was last year where they finished eighth and ended up making a run just make all right if you're gonna play this game at least make the tournament because mm-hmm. if not then we're having problems but again just I know I shouldn't say anything. Shouldn't say anything. <laughs> but we'll see. Here we we'll are. See. Um, all right. That's all we got for y'all today. Uh oh, I'm sorry. One one more thing. Oop, what's up? 
Texas A&M men got a big win at LSU. I was there. Mm-hmm. Yes, they lose that were, game. Yeah, you were I very critical you. of that game, potentially. <laughs> I texted you. If they lose this game, they're not making the tournament. I'm done with Buzz Williams here. They end up getting the win because they had 27 to zero edge in second chance points. That's insane. Literally, they throw the ball at the rim, knowing it's not going in. Yeah. And all five players just sprint to the basket. It feels like what Houston used to be, yeah. except even those Houston teams, I think, had more offensive versatility or offensive talent than what AM has. It's literally Way Taylor, please do something. Yep. And everybody else run to the basket. They didn't have Henry Coleman. That's what makes it a good win as well. Mm-hmm. But I did want to mention them because that's a that's a big result. There you go. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Leave us a five-star rating review wherever you're listening. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube if you have not already. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, DCT Basketball, Ishmael R. Johnson, or at Matthew Bruni underscore. Uh, yeah, thank you all for joining us. We'll talk to you later.